Hi everyone, welcome to the Renaissance Project, a Black girls movement. I'm your hostess with the mostest, Chase Clark, and I'm thrilled to have you join me on this journey of liberation and conversation. Hey, hi everyone, and welcome to the Renaissance Project, a Black girls movement. My name is Chase Clark, and I am your hostess with the mostest. Today, I'm so excited because because we're continuing our The Story of My Life series. We're on episode five now, I believe, and today I'm joined by Chief Brian James. Um, if you don't mind, I'm going to introduce you, and we're going to get okay. right into it. Okay. All right. Chief James is a Greensboro native. He is an alumni of Page High School, which I won't hold that against you as I am a cowboy. <laughs> and he is a graduate from North Carolina State A&T University. I said that so wrong, but it's all right. He has worked in law enforcement for approximately 25 years now and recently completed his first year as chief of police. In addition to this, he's a husband, a girl dad, and I heard an avid video game player. Is this true? Although I don't have a lot of time to play anymore, yes, I, I still play video games. <laughs> yes, sir. I'm sure my brother will enjoy that. Yeah. He is joining me today to answer some of the questions that we all have. And um, before we get into it, I did want to say that this series is surrounded around listening, you know, and being open and transparent. So I asked the listeners to be as receptive as they possibly can. And I have full faith that you'll be as open and transparent as you possibly can as well. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. So we have a lot to unpack. So we're going to go ahead and get started with our first question. So you've recently ended your first year as chief of police. um, And what a year you've had, right? Mm -hmm. You've had racial injustice on full display, a global pandemic, and all the already stressful job of being a police officer. So with all of that, how do you feel your first year went? I think uh, just with everything considered, uh, overall, uh, it has been a good year. Mm -hmm. I will say that because uh, I look at what goes on around the country uh, in a lot of other cities. And uh, I think that for the most part, we've been able to manage things well here in Greensboro. Of course, uh, trying to police through a pandemic, uh, very difficult because one thing I always talk about is that the community relationships are the lifeblood of what we do. And so a year ago, you know, we were told don't contact anyone if you don't have to basically to avoid the physical contact. Uh, So that's what we did. Well, a few months later, uh, you have the incident where George Floyd was killed in Minneapolis and then it starts the social unrest. And then we're dealing with, um, you know, daily protests. So we had to manage those. And fortunately, uh, you know, I would say, Overall, the management of that went well. And believe it or not, it actually created some opportunities for our officers as well as me to talk to a lot of people about a lot of things that were going on. So it gave me a chance to uh, look at some of the policies that we had in place around policing. But then it also gave me uh, an opportunity to show some of the things that we already had in place uh, that may not be in place in other communities. Uh, to make sure that we have the right people on the police department and, and that they're doing the right things and that they're accountable uh, for what they do. So um, I would say that uh, by and large, we, we still have some great relationships in the community uh, through everything. And we're still trying to build those relationships. Right. Mm-hmm. And speaking of relationships, we're going perfectly into my next question for mm-hmm. you. Um Community outreach is something that you've championed since, you know, your first day on the job. So I am curious to know why it was so important for you that you did reach out to the community. Well, because you can't have safe communities if you don't have the relationships. And what I tell people is that uh, 
the relation, the, the communities are safe because the people that live in the communities want them to be safe in conjunction with working with the police. Cause we're not, uh, certainly not the, uh, the only thing that keeps the community safe. A lot of it is looking out for each other. The other part is, uh, you can't effectively, uh, do police work, uh, in a community if you don't know the people who you're serving. Right. Um, you know, you, you can't go in as a uh, you don't want to go in as an occupying force. You want to go in as a partner, uh, as a protector. And you certainly have to have that relationship in place uh, before you can do that. You'll, you'll never be as effective as you could be if you don't have those community relationships. So we uh, we have an office of community engagement, which is in charge of actually creating uh, what I call non law enforcement interactions with citizens because you really cannot build a relationship in the middle of a crisis. And oftentimes a majority of our contact comes from when uh, someone calls uh, 911 right. and they're calling because they have an emergency. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, that's not a time to build a relationship. You, you, right. You're trying to deal with whatever the problem is. Yeah. It, it could be uh, something dangerous or, or could be anything really. So we have to create those opportunities where uh, there's not an emergency where we have a chance to sit down and, and have a conversation like you and I are having right now. Right. And yeah. that's something I really appreciate. Um, just because, like you said, most of the times when I do think of the police, it's more so as it's a state of emergency or something's going wrong. It's not usually in a normal conversation setting. So that's something that I really did appreciate with this new administration, having the opportunity to have these community conversations with people who, you know, we normally don't get to see too often. Right. Um, but if you don't mind for a second, we're going to take it back to 1996. Mm-hmm. It was the year that you first got into the police force, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and you were coming in at a time where the connotation around the word police maybe wasn't so um, positive. Mm-hmm. So I was curious to know then why or what drew you to being a policeman? Well, uh, so uh, I was in college. Uh, I finished A&T in, in 1994. I actually initially worked with the sheriff's office, oh. but I majored in business. So uh, as I, I looked at some job opportunities uh, in that particular field, uh, I didn't know if that was something that I really wanted to do or make me happy. Uh, I wanted to do something that I felt like I was uh, giving back to the community, uh, but then also something that was different every day. The other part, too, is, you know, oftentimes we see communities um, and the police department doesn't necessarily reflect the diversity of the community. Mm-hmm. And uh, and. That's been a, a hot button issue for years about, you know, what does the police department look like in conjunction with the community that it serves? And I thought to myself, I said, you know, if if I want to uh, help be a part of the solution and diversify law enforcement, uh, maybe I should step up. Mm-hmm. And that's what I tell young people now. If, uh, you know, if you feel that, you know, the police department needs to be more diverse or, or any other arm of government needs to be more diverse then some young people are going to have to step up because, you know, folks like me, you know, of course, we're not going to be here forever. We're going to retire and move on. Right. And uh, somebody's going to have to take our place. But then uh, what I tell people is that uh, not only does someone have to take my place, really two people need to take my place. If you're going to change the way uh, your police department looks and if you're going to try to make it reflect more of your community. Right. And and that was my motivation for getting into it. And I've, I've, uh, uh, there's been some highs and some lows, but overall, I've enjoyed it, and and I still enjoy it. Wow, 
I didn't know that about you. So now with that, I'm um, curious to know what has been one of your biggest challenges so far on the job? One of the biggest challenges I'll say in this last year, and it's it's a great concern. It goes right in line with what you just asked me, uh, has been recruiting, mm-hmm. uh, recruiting a, a qualified uh, as well as a diverse uh, workforce. Uh, what I'll say is that, you know, some of the rhetoric around police in the last year uh, has has made the job uh, probably not as attractive, especially to right. some young people. And again, you know, to change the look and the diversity uh, of law enforcement agencies, uh, we do need some some young uh, uh, and I'll say young. The typical recruiters around average age of about 24, 25. Mm-hmm. Well, we need some young people. Uh, to step up into these roles. And uh, and that has been a challenge for us. And, uh, you know, and of course, staffing uh, is a challenge. And uh, but the other part, too, is uh, do I only get to pick one or can I pick two? OK, OK. But the other part, again, the relationships, uh, you know, although I think that we are in good shape overall, there's still a lot of opportunities for us to create a, additional relationships because there are still parts of the community uh, that don't trust the police in general. And those are the, the people that we need to have conversations with uh, to try to sit down and figure out, you know, what is it about um, the police department, specifically in Greensboro, or the profession as a whole that they don't trust? Because even if there's a lot going on nationally, I want people to have a relationship uh, with the Greensboro Police Department because that's where I am and that's what I'm responsible for. Right. And while we're on the topic of this rhetoric that has been created, I was doing research and trying to create this series. And I had a few questions um, for myself, as well as for the people who I talk to on the day to day and the people who I'm around. So I took to my Instagram story first and I asked what their general connotation was of the police, while also asking some of the people who I know and love in my family and then in my additional family. And these are some of the things that they said. Fear brutality, George Floyd, racism, bias, and violence, and these were the most submitted. Um, all of these words, I'm sure, are not new to you at all, but I'm, I want to know how it makes you feel to know that this is the atmosphere we're in surrounding your profession. Well, I mean, uh, when you say the atmosphere, I think you have to look at, uh, you know, who uh, you're polling, and I certainly uh, take all of their opinions uh, seriously and take them to heart. You know, but uh, as I talk to people throughout the community uh, from from various communities, including uh, minority communities uh, and, and every other community, that's not the feeling uh, uh, in full as far as uh, what everybody thinks. I think there are certainly some people that have that opinion. But uh, but at the same time, what I would say is this, is that uh, you have to get to know. Uh, your police department, if you choose to do that. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, certainly the images and uh, the social media posts and uh, the news and, and things like that, uh, you know, police misconduct has been heavily, heavily covered throughout the nation for the last year. Right. And I think that when you watch those things on a consistent basis and we're looking at our smartphones it's easy to see how someone could draw those connotations about police. But what I'll say is this, is that I know at least in Greensboro and even throughout some other jurisdictions, people that I know, uh, there are some very good police officers here in Greensboro that want to do a good job and want to do right by the citizens. And what I would say is uh, give us a chance. Uh, take a chance to know us. 
give us a chance to uh, listen to you, to answer questions, and let's try to build a relationship. And uh, don't let anyone else shape your narrative. You go out and find the information. If you determine that you still feel that way, then you've done your due diligence. But 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 don't just look at the information uh, that's sent to you. Actually, go out and seek out your own information and and try to see what your local police department is about. Right. And I think that's a very, very valuable piece of um, advice, just because I know for me, um, after the whole George Floyd thing and, you know, having the overconsumption of social media and just seeing those things on the regular, it was easy to create this kind of narrative that that fit very easily for me. Um, but I remember one day I was having a conversation with my mom and she was like, well, we know a lot of police officers. What about Chief James? And I was like, kind of stuck just because I was forced to have to look at you. And as many of the other ones that I know as well, I was forced to look at you in the same light where I used to look at you guys in a, in a different light, if that makes sense. Um, so it really forced me to sit down and have to change the narrative and in a way really humanize what it was to be a police officer. But you also have other dynamics to your life. And this doesn't this um, doesn't define your whole life, number one. And then the things that we're seeing on social media doesn't define the whole profession either. So I think that's a very valuable piece of information. Well, let me say this and, and, and just to kind of bring it home for me. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm, uh, you know, obviously I'm African-American or, or black and I'm OK being called that, too. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I would not want to like people may have certain perceptions about black men. Right. Right. And I would hate to be judged by what everyone that fits my particular demographic uh you know, has done or, or might do or what they think they'll do. Mm-hmm. At the same time, as a police officer, it, it's very tough to be judged by uh, what a police officer, maybe in a, a different jurisdiction is doing, you know, because, you know, I know as uh, when I see something that's wrong, I know as a police officer that I wouldn't have done that, you know, but of course, uh, and I've said this before too, something that someone does halfway across the country can actually affect the relationship with the citizens that we have right here in Greensboro. Right. So what we've tried to do and what I've tried to do personally over the last year is sit down and have these conversations and and reassure people that we are trying to do the right thing in Greensboro. Right. And, and hopefully they won't judge us by everything that they've seen, uh, especially if it's in, a, in another part of the country. Right. So having adequate training has also been a large um, topic of conversation, especially surrounding um, mental health. So I wanted to know personally what um, training has been incorporated into the modern day police training in order to prevent any issues in the future. So we we run our own in-house academy uh, Mm -hmm. here in Greensboro, and uh, we have classes uh, within the academy. One is called Dealing with Special Populations. So that's specifically... uh, around dealing with people with handicaps as well as mental illness. Another thing that we've done in addition to that, we have a number of officers that are trained uh, in what we call crisis intervention training. Uh, That's also dealing with mental health. Uh, One thing that we launched recently uh, was a squad of officers called the Behavioral Health Response Team, and they actually have mental health clinicians that ride in the car with them. So they actually respond to mental health calls. And in addition to that, we've also recently integrated uh, some training across the department called... uh, it's called ICAT. It's called Integration, Integrating Communication Assessment and Tactics. And what that is, it is it, um, it one day of the training, 
Uh, we looked at a lot of videos of some incidents that happened across the country. Uh, uh, some turned out well, some didn't. Uh, we critiqued those videos and, and, and talked about those things. And then the next day was scenario-based training, where we actually had to go into a simulated exercise where somebody was mentally disturbed, uh, may have had, had a weapon, may not have had a weapon. Uh, because um, uh, that training, you know, it was valuable uh, to us. All of it has been valuable. But the hands-on training and the scenario-based training is what we really focus on at Greensboro because it's really hard when you walk into a chaotic situation. If you haven't either gone through a simulation of that or at least thought of in your mind what you may do, uh, those situations are very difficult. And typically when we get called into a situation, that thing could have been involved in the entire day. And now it's come to a crisis point and everything that day has gone bad. And then we've got to come in and make a, a, a I'm going to say a perfect decision or at a minimum, a really a minimum, a really good decision for things to turn out well. And, that, and it's difficult work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And um, that was interesting to me. I was just really curious about, you know, a lot of the times we see these incidents that happen. But I just always want to know, like, was this in protocol or like, is this mm-hmm. part of the training that they're supposed to do or is this how they're supposed to handle it? But I do think that a lot of the times I do forget that. If I was to be put in that situation, I don't know how I would really react because, you know, it's so random the way that things could pan out. And like you said, in a moment, like instance, you're supposed to make a decision that could possibly alter the course of someone's life. Mm -hmm. So I think that's something that I forget a lot. And I'm sure a lot of my peers do as well. And you have to make those decisions quickly. Yeah, You you don't have time to kind of sit back and rewind the tape and play it over and over again. You got to make a decision. Uh, right then, uh, because it could affect someone's life. Yeah. So having said that, what is something that you wish the general public did understand um, concerning your job or policing in general? I'll say this. uh, I I wish, I think sometimes it's hard to separate the fact that we're just regular people. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I, um, (laughs) you know, I've I've got, I've got kids and, and of course we're trying to raise them correctly and things like that. And, um, and we want to every encounter that we have, we want everyone to be safe. Right. You know, we, we want to go home safely to our family, but we also want you to go home safely. And um, and it's it's very um, when you when you walk into a chaotic situation and you have to be if everybody is upset, you have to be calm and you have to make rational decisions. And it's, it's very tough. And it goes back to my uh, one of your initial questions around and where I answered with recruiting. It's very tough to find people uh, that have that kind of temperament. And then at the same time, to be able to train those people to handle emergency situations or crisis situations. And um, and what I would say is, um, you know, again, take a chance to get to know some police officers or in particular in Greensboro, we have community resource officers that are throughout the city. But I would say take a chance to get to know those officers and take advantage of some of our programs where we actually go out into the community or ask people to come in and sit through some classes and things like that to try to just understand the profession a little bit better. All right. That's valuable information. Thank you for that. Um, And I read online that assistant city manager Trey Davis is overall public safety for the city. And I was curious to know how involved he is in the efforts towards change. So, um, so, so assistant city manager Davis, I, I report to him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I am hired by the city manager. So I work at the will of the city manager. Gotcha. Um, typically, uh, 
anytime I am thinking about doing a major change uh, in the police department, I will talk to Assistant City Manager Davis and also sometimes uh, David Parrish, who was the city manager. Uh, I'm in charge of the day-to-day operations of the police department. Uh, he, uh, of course, keeps his finger on the pulse of public safety in general. But if there are any overarching issues uh, that arise, for instance, oftentimes uh, someone from city council may raise a concern or have a question about something. Mm-hmm. They typically go through the city manager's office and then they'll contact me and we'll get a response for them. Uh, any major changes uh, that are done in the department, again, of course, I would contact the city manager's office, let them know what it is. It could be a policy, uh, could be a number of different things. Uh, but we have conversations every day. Um, but operationally, I'm in charge of the police department. And of course, uh, I or, or designee will report back to the manager's office. Got it. And we're on our last question of the interview. Oh, well, yeah, we went by okay. fast, didn't I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how do you hope to continue to build relationships and trust with the entire community? Through conversations like this, um, it's um, I know you're probably thinking like it's going to be some fancy answer or something <laughs> like that. Right. Um, you, you really can't. You can't uh, you can't substitute sitting down and talking to people. Um, you have to sit down and 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 just as regular folks. And, and that's part of the reason I think why I didn't wear a uniform today. But mm. but uh, uh, but the thing is, is that I want you to see me as a person who happens to be the police chief, right. uh, not just as the police chief. And uh, because the thing is, is that the things that, that you are concerned about, I'm also concerned about them. I want your neighborhood to be safe. I don't want bad cops on the street. Um, I want to have good relationships. And we have to go all over the community and have those open and honest conversations. And, and we have to ask, we have to ask and we have to answer uh, the tough questions, right. you know. And uh, and of course, uh, we're going to be as open as we can. And uh and try to get those answers for you. But uh, between, um, I'd say, you know, the pandemic happened last year, the social unrest happened. Between the social unrest and the end of 2020, I, I personally participated in over 100 either in-person or virtual conversations. And then a number of my staff uh, uh, participated in a number of, of conversations as well. Just talking about some of the things that we do uh, some of the things that we're concerned about, some of the things that we plan to do in the future uh, to keep the city safe. Wow. And uh, you, you've got to have you got to just sit down and have conversations and create non-law enforcement interactions with police officers. Wow. That's great advice as well. And I want to thank you so much for joining me on this conversation today. It's been really valuable for me. I learned a lot. Um, from my position here. So I really am thankful for you for being here today. And to the listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. And I hope you enjoyed it. That's all. Thanks. Yes, sir. Thank you for tuning in to the Renaissance Project, a Black girls movement. Want to join the combo? Contact me via Instagram at the Renaissance P-R-J-C-T. Or you can email me at the Renaissance P-R-J-T at gmail.com. If you feel led to donate, you can do so by sending your funds to dollar sign Chase AC7 on Cash App. It is not required, but definitely encouraged. That's all from me. I hope to see you next Thursday. Until then, be well. <laughs>